So if you have your Bibles, let's join in looking at God's Word this morning as we're talking about valleys of decision. This is our third lesson. We'll finish up next week. But in Joel chapter 3, Joel gives warning concerning sin within a nation. He gives warning concerning sin against, uh, or in, in the result of a, in the life of an individual. So it's something we all need to pay attention to as individuals, as churches, as a nation. So Joel gives this warning in Joel chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. He says this, multitudes. How many? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, as we've stated the past two weeks, we must understand that there are consequences for sin in the lives of individuals and sin within a nation. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, therefore shall he reap. Now again, that goes to us as far as individuals. is speaking to us as a nation. Whatever we sow as individuals, whatever we sow as a nation, be not deceived. God is not mocked. We will reap of that which we have sown. You see, if one sows evil, they will reap the consequences they're up. And if you're living a life of willful sin, don't blame God when you begin paying the price for that lifestyle of which you have chosen to live. You see, if you are involved in willful sin, no one is making you do that. It is a lifestyle that you have chosen to live. So when God's judgment comes upon you, don't blame no one but yourself. Listen, what we have looked at a number of other examples over the past two weeks, and today I want to look at one more before we get to that ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy of Joel next week. Today I want to look at a story that's going to bring things closer to home for us as a nation. As we look in Genesis chapter 18 on the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me just begin with just a brief history. Most of us all know this story. But Sodom was one of the cities of the plain and for some time the dwelling place of Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Now its crimes and its vices were so enormous that God destroyed it by fire from heaven along with three neighboring cities of Gomorrah, Zeboam, and Admah. They were all evil, and as a result of the sin within the city of which they refused to repent, God sent fire from heaven along with all these other, uh, you know, three cities, the neighboring cities who were just as wicked as Sodom, and in denouncing the woes upon the, 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 the countries uh, all throughout the prophets, they always used Sodom as an example of God's judgment coming. You see, what happened in Sodom was to be a warning to others as to how God viewed this kind of unrepentant sin. God will not wink 
at sin. God will not turn His head when it comes to sin. The second thing is throughout Scripture, the ruin of Sodom and Gomorrah is represented as an effect of God's anger and as a mirror in, 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 in which those living at ease in sin and lust may know their own fate. Now, what I mean by that statement is all throughout the Scripture, you know, the, the Scripture uses this uh, event that took place in Sodom as a mirror for those who are involved in sin to look at and say, wow, God's judgment will come. The third thing is the name is given in Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, uh, to the great and corrupt city of the Antichrist. And the fourth thing that we see there is Sodomite. Sodomites were men addicted to the beastly lust alluded to in Genesis 19 and 1 Kings 14 and also in Romans 1, of which we're going to look at in just a few moments. You see, even today, listen to me, the word or the term sodomite is viewed as one of the most sickening sins that man can imagine. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? That's not politically correct. You teach me to spell politically correct, and I probably still won't be it. But listen to me. The reason being is because it goes against God's design for marriage, sex, and relationship. Therefore, it is sickening. Does God love homosexuals? You bet He does. And God died for homosexuals. God died for the sin of homosexuality. But the sin that they were involved in, sodomy, it is sickening to God and it is an abomination to Him, no matter what one may say. Now, let's unfold the story here in Genesis chapter 18. Let's briefly recap, before I really get into the message this morning, the story of Sodom. As you remember, three angels, you know, visited Abraham, one of them being Jesus Christ, disguised as men traveling along a road. Now the two angels went down to Sodom to observe firsthand what was taking place there, what type of wickedness was going on in this place called Sodom that had overtaken the city. And we're told in verse 21 that the cry of distress had come before God. Now that's important to understand. A cry of distress had come from the city to God. You see, God saw all their wickedness and He knew full well the nature of the circumstances of it all. Look at verse 21. God says this, I will go down. Can I tell you something? You don't want God to come down. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? You don't want your sin to get to a point that God comes down. America, we have gotten to the point God is about to come down to view for Himself. And I don't care how America, how big of a flag we get to wrap ourselves in, God is not going to say, well, that's America. I cannot bring judgment upon them. God says, I will go down. And I will see whether they have done all together, now look at this, according to the cry of it. You see, I want to assure you it wasn't the people of Sodom who was crying out to God. We're going to see in a moment what was crying out to God about this sin sickness of homosexuality. He says, I'm going to go down 
and I'm going to see according to the cry which is come to me, and if not, I will know. We must understand that nothing can be hidden from the eyes of God. Listen to me. Homosexuality goes against nature so severely that nature itself cries out to God. That's who God was hearing. God was hearing nature cry out, this is not right. This is not normal. This is wrong. You know, even the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom knows there's got to be a male and a female or, 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 or a, a human being so stupid we don't understand that. Are we no you know, smarter than, a, than, than this plant right here? Listen, even nature cries out. You see, God knows it all, folks. God sees it all, and God will deal with all sin that comes before Him. And trust me, all sin comes before Him. We must understand that there are consequences to decisions we make in life, and those consequences are what I'm calling here valleys of decision. Remember what Paul told, again, the church at Galatia, Be not deceived. Don't let no one deceive you. Don't let no one confuse your mind. God is not mocked whatever a nation sows. So shall that nation reap. Whatever an individual sows, so shall that individual reap. You see, Satan will attempt you to deceiving you into believing that you can live your life the way you want. And because God is a God of love, He surely will not bring judgment upon us. But listen to me. When word comes to God about sin in your life, when word, word comes to God because of sin within a nation, God is going to see for himself. God is going to see. Now what did Paul say? Don't be deceived, guys. America, don't be deceived, God says. You will reap what you have sown. Can I tell you something? Over the past three or four decades, America has sown this seed of homosexuality, and in doing so, it's turned its back on God in favor of this sin that God refers to as an abomination to itself. Listen to me, America. Be not deceived. We are going to reap what we have sown. This past week, we saw one of the most offensive cases to ever come before the Supreme Court of the United States of America. America, now think about this, America is asking nine judges, nine judges to change what God has established at the beginning of time, and that being marriage between one man, one woman, for one lifetime. Now, where have we gotten, folks, as the United States of America, where have we gotten as a people that we're going to give the, the, put it, the power in the hands of nine people to override God? That is sad. That is sad. That decision from the Supreme Court will come down in late June. And listen to me this morning. I should have put this in your notes, but I didn't. But listen to what... My prediction is, okay, if this court rules to override 
and change the design of marriage, this will be the final nail in the coffin for the United States of America. God will come down to see for himself. How have we gotten from defining, from God defining marriage between Adam and Eve to wanting America to define marriage as Adam and Steve? You see, this should not even be an issue in the United States of America. However, when you have a president of the United States who stands before the world and proclaims America is no longer a Christian nation, what else can you expect? When you have a Democratic Party that votes three times to completely remove God from their platform, what else can you expect? When God is removed, when Christianity is removed from a nation, the only place a nation can go is down, folks. The only thing that's going to happen to a nation that has removed God, that has removed Christianity, the only thing that can happen is a valley of decision. Now, does God just punish us without reason? Would God bring judgment upon an individual or a nation without knowing all the facts? I mean, come on, God, you gotta, you got to understand a homosexual is born that way. You don't understand all the facts here, God. Can I tell you something? The sin of homosexuality is just like any other sin. It's a choice. No one is born that way. I hate to bust Bruce Jenner's bubble, but he was not born a woman in a man's body. Look, God will never enter into judgment without good reason. What did he say in verse 21? And if not, I will know. In other words, I'm going down to see for myself because nature has cried out, there is something terribly wrong going on here. I'm going to go for myself. I will judge for myself. If it's not true, I will know. You see, this was basically uh, you know, a lesson to judges teaching them not to judge according to report, but to accurately inquire into the facts themselves. And the same principle applies for you and I today. You know, don't just take the word of others before casting judgment upon someone else. Seek out the facts for yourself. We all know the story. First, Abraham asked of the Lord if he would spare the city. If, if I can find 50 righteous people, God, would you spare the city? God said, sure. No problem. So what's Abraham do? He begins bargaining with God. 40 people, 30 people. He got all the way down to 10 people. Well, God, you know, I can't find them. What about 10, God? I mean, let, let, let's do a little bargaining here. Won't you give just a little bit, God? And he gets down to 10 people and God says, fine, Abraham, go ahead and find 10 righteous people and I won't send judgment. Isn't it sad that it, 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 in the whole city of Sodom, there could not be found 10 righteous people? Kind of like the Congress of the United States, isn't it? How sad, folks. How sad. Look, once God decides on judgment, <laughs> my daddy used to say, Katie, board of the door. Once God decides on judgment, death is certain. 
What happened to Sodom has happened here within our nation and within the lives of many within our churches. They had dabbled with sin. Oh, I hear people say, well, I'm just dabbling in homosexuality. You don't dabble in homosexuality. Okay, let me, let me just throw a question out there to you. How many times do you have to lie before you're a liar? One time? If I lie one time, I'm a liar? How many liars we got in here this morning? Uh, okay, everybody hesitates to raise their hand. How many times you got to steal before you're a thief? One time. How many times do you have to involve yourself in a homosexual act before you're a homosexual? One time. You see, here's what I'm, what I'm saying here. You don't just dabble in homosexuality. You commit the act one time, you're homosexual. And you're going to answer to God for that sickness. You remember what James said about sin? He said this in James 1.15. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, what's it bring forth? Death. You don't dabble. You don't just try sin. You don't just try to, you know, dabble in. Well, I'm going to try it one time. No, no, no. Because what's James say? When that lust has conceived, it's going to spring forth sin. And God is, God is plain about this. And when sin is finished in your life, it's going to bring about death. Third point I want you to see here. I want you to see the sin of Sodom in Genesis chapter 19. Let's take a look here at the sin of Sodom. One, one big problem with sin is that sin breeds sin. And that's what we see took place in the city of God, uh, Sodom. Sin will always breed sin. Sin is like a cancer. It's like cancer. You know, if, it, if it's brought under control and it's dealt with in its early stages, sometimes and many times it can be cured. However, left unchecked, it begins to spread, and before you know it, it's out of control. I want to suggest to you this morning that the sin problem in the United States is out of control. The sin problem within our churches today is out of control. The sin problem in our individual lives today is out of control. Though sin has always been with us, I believe that because we fail to deal with the sexual sin during the 60s, during the sexual revolution, it's resulted in the immorality that has spread through the United States just like it did with Sodom. Listen, you cannot just stick your head in the sand when it comes to sin and expect when you pull it out that all sin will be gone. And folks, I believe what we did in the 60s was stuck our head in, sin, in the sand when it came to that sexual revolution. As a church, as churches, we said, well, this is just one of those fads. We'll stick our head in the sand. When our heads come out, it'll all be gone. What happens, though, is the entire time your head is in the sand, sin is spreading, and not only is it spreading, it's evolving and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Listen, the evil is all around us in today's society from lying, from stealing to pornography, drugs, illicit sex, violence. It's spreading like never before, folks. 
Look, when a nation or a people turn that which is abnormal into the normal, that nation will experience the judgment of God. God calls us to be a holy people set apart and not to be influenced by the wicked culture. Sin has always had its consequences. Sin will always have its consequences. And it's time that we begin to take sin and God's judgment seriously. What had happened in Sodom is that the abnormal had become the normal and as a, as a result of that, there would not even be able to find ten righteous people. You know, when the two angels arrived in Sodom that evening, Abraham's nephew Lot, he met them outside the city gates. And Lot and his family, you know, they lived in Sodom, so he took the two men to his home to feed them. Now let me show you how sick the sin of homosexuality is. And yes, it is a sick. Sin. As Lot took them into his home, prepared a meal to feed them, the men of the city, they surrounded Lot's house. And in chapter 19, in verse 5, we see just how sick these people had become. As they surrounded at Lot's house, the men of the city, they began to call out to Lot, and here's what they said, where are the two men that come to you tonight? You know, bring them out here so that we can have sexual relations with them. Now you do understand this is two angels of God, correct? Yes or no? You do understand these are the, the witnesses that God sent down to see for himself if things were as wicked as what nature was crying out. You do understand that, correct? And these two witnesses that God sent down, the men of the city were so sick, the men of the city were so wicked, the men of the city were so evil... I know some people are going to say, you're saying that homosexuals are sick and they're evil. I didn't say that. The Scripture says that. But they were so evil, they were so sick, they surrounded Lot's house demanding that he gives them those two angels so they could have sex with them. Look, Lot was so infested by the wickedness of Sodom you know what he did? I want to show you what he did. I'm going to read this out of the New Century Version. But let me show you how Lot was so infected by the witnesses of Sodom. Now, he knew it wasn't right to give them, you know, the angels to have homosexual acts with them. But let me read to you verses, what, nine, 6 through 9 out of the New Century. Here's what took place. As the men were beating on the door, knocking on the door, you know, beating on the walls, give us the men. Lot went outside to them, and he closed the door behind them. And he said, no, my brothers. I don't think he should have been even referring to them as brothers to begin with. That's just my personal opinion. No, my brothers, do not this evil thing. Now, let me just point out right there. At least Lot still had enough moral value, values to know that the act of homosexuality was evil. Because what's he say? Do not do this evil thing. 
Look, here's what he says. I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. I will give them to you, and you may do anything you want with them. How many, how many of us have daughters in here? I've got, how many do I got? Four. Got eight kids. It's hard to keep up with it. How many of you have daughters? Let me see your hands again. Oh, just about everybody. Okay. How many of you would be willing to hand your daughter over to someone and say, do what you would with her? So do you think Lot was a little bit affected by what was taking place there? Let me read on. Do what you want with them, but please do not do anything to these men. They have come to my house, and I must protect them. The men around the house answered, Move out of the way! They did not want them young virgin girls. They wanted the men. Then they said to each other, This man, Lot, came to our city as a stranger, and now he wants to tell us what to do? Then Lot said, or then they said to Lot, Look what they said to him. We will do worse things to you than to them. Now, I even shudder to think what those worst things are. And finally, they started pushing him back and were ready to break down the door. Look, how sick can people become? Who in Sodom could have ever imagined that sin left unchecked could, could, uh, could progress to a man willing to give up his daughters and let men do whatever they wanted to his daughters. Who in America could ever imagine that the sexual sins of the 60s would ever escalate to the point that if you wanted to take your small children to Disneyland or Disney World, you better check the calendar first and make sure it wasn't gay and lesbian week because if it was, your kids are going to be walking around Disney watching these homosexuals holding hands, lip-locked, and there ain't no telling that. What else? Who would have ever thought in America that the sins, the sexual sins of the 60s would ever escalate to the point that child pornography would be a multi-million dollar business here in the United States of America generating between $200 million and $1 billion a year. That's what that child pornography, uh, you know, uh, uh, they make off of it. People looking at little children. Folks, we're living in a sick nation that is sick with sin. Who in America could have ever imagined that the sexual sins of the city would ever escalate to the point that our government would even allow or even consider allowing same-sex marriage? What difference is there in America today? In Sodom years ago? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Here's these guys beating down the door, demanding to have sex with these angels. You know what the angels did? They struck the rioters blind and led Lot and his wife and his two daughters out of the city. 
Look, Lot and his family fled to a tiny village called Zor. But Lot's wife, you remember the story, she disobeyed the angel. She looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. And once they were safely removed, fire came down on not only Sodom, but it came down on Gomorrah, Zeboam, Edmah, because they were wicked. It destroyed buildings. It destroyed vegetations. It destroyed everything. Next point I want you to see. We're going to look at Genesis 19. But once involved in sexual immorality, it is a lifetime of constant battle. It's a lifetime. Here's a perfect example of just how contagious and escalating sin is. You remember Lot was taken out. His daughters come with him. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 19. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to show you how living in, in, living in you know, a nation of sin, living in a city of sin, being exposed to sin can have an effect on you. Look at this. Genesis 19, beginning with verse 30. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor. So, and he went into a cave and his two daughters with him. And the firstborn, firstborn daughter, said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in to us uh, after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father uh, drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the seed of our father. Now I want you to see how the sickness that they were exposed to in Sodom affected them even after they were out of Sodom. The older said to the younger, let's get daddy drunk and have sex with him. Let, let's read on. Verse 32, come let us make our father drink wine that we may lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he perceived not that she laid with him nor, that, uh, nor when he, uh, she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay last uh, or yesternight with my father. Let us make him drunk with wine again also. And go thou in and lie with him that we may preserve the seed of our father. And in verse 35, they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay with him nor when she arose. Thus both daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Now let me ask you something. Is that sickness or is it not? You see, the sickness that these little girls were exposed to in Sodom followed them. How sick can we get? You know, some people say, and I, I can't stand it when I hear people say this, but I, I guess I'm just weird. But how many times have you heard people say, well, if two people love each other, it's no one else's business, even if they're of the same sex? Look, there's many problems with that, folks. First of all, you know, God says it's an abomination. And if it's an abomination before God, nothing else matters. It really ends right there. You know, second of all, you know, left unchecked, it leads to worse things as sexual immorality will only escalate deeper and darker. 
You see, the Scripture gives us a, a, a picture of a valley of decision for unrepentant sexual immorality, namely homosexual. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 23, beginning there. I want to show you what Paul had to say in this area of sexual immorality and homosexuality. Romans chapter 1. See, we'll begin with verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Was they honoring their body? No, they were dishonoring their body. Unto their, uh, between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Now, let me stop right there for a moment. If these nine people on the Supreme Court approve same-sex marriage, are they changing the truth of God into a lie? You bet they are. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this cause. For what cause? By people changing the truth of God into a lie. By people having these lusts in their heart. By people dishonoring their own bodies. Because of this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did not change or did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Who was crying out to God in Sodom? Nature. Why was nature crying out? Because it's not normal. Who changed the natural use to that which is against nature and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman. What is natural? Man and woman. But men, uh, you know, uh, uh, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in lust toward one another, Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of, uh, inventors of evil things. You know what that means? It escalates to the point you just begin inventing sin. Disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without not, not, uh, natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, in other words, they know, well, you know, I've heard that God is going to judge people for this, who know the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy to death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in doing them. You see, in other words, people can get to the point that they know that God does not approve of this, that God will bring judgment of this, and they say, so what? It's what I enjoy doing. What did James say? When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, America, it's going to bring about a valley of decision. And that valley of decision is going to be death. Death. America, we are overlooking a valley of decision that is going to destroy us as a nation if we do not return to God. 
I'm going to say that again. We, as the United States of America, are facing a valley of decision that is going to destroy this nation if we do not return to God. And listen to me, church, it has to start right here in our churches. Returning to God must begin with the people of God. Don't expect Congress to return us to God. Don't expect the, you know, the White House to return us to God. Don't expect you know, nobody in political office to return us to God. We are going to have to take a stand as the church of Jesus Christ and say enough is enough. We're going to be call, begin calling sin, sin, and take a stand against it. Look, Sodom, along with Gomorrah, Zeboam, Admah, all met a valley of decision because they refused to deal with the sin within them. The fate of Sodom and Gomorrah is historically used as a warning to those who reject God to turn from their ways and they repent. One final time. America, if we do not wake up to the sin that is about us, we will face judgment from God in a valley of decision. And individually, the same is true. Look, if you're habitually involved in a sin that God has continually called you out, yet you've continually rejected his call, Expect a valley of decision within your life soon. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you're going to reap. You sow evil, saddle up, you're going to reap evil. But that choice is yours.